Pass. Nope. We love Matt. It's just a really hard time right now. The industry's contracting. Come back to us and get some bigger attachments. Tell them right what you know. No, tell them right who you know. Hey, everybody. This is Matt Hausfetter, and you're listening to the first episode of Right Who You Know. This is my writing podcast that focuses on screenwriting, and every once in a while we'll have a songwriter or someone who writes books, but for the most part, you can tune in weekly to hear me interview up-and-coming screenwriters, friends, colleagues, people that I would love to work with, and we're going to dive into all things screenwriting, because if you're like me, uh, you find that screenwriting, while incredibly rewarding, is also super challenging, and I have found that but for this wonderful community of writer friends that I've made, I might have just thrown in the towel years ago because it's incredibly tough. And if you don't have thick skin and you can't deal with people telling you pass and no and in a very subliminal way telling you you suck all the time, uh, you're going to get burnt out. And so I have found that screenwriting is like driving a NASCAR race. You need a really killer pit crew or you're going to spin out. And so this 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 show is really an exploration of how writers make it, how they've broken in, how they've stayed in, uh, some of the challenges that they have faced in staffing, in writers' rooms, in development, in show running, uh, and really just anything and everything writing. Um, you know, for me, my journey to screenwriting uh, was a little more roundabout. You know, I wrote a couple shitty novellas uh, in high school, in college, because uh, I was very impressionable. And after seeing uh, Cruel Intentions, I thought, oh, maybe I should start a diary about all my girlfriends. Uh, not the great greatest use of my time, uh, but between that and Tumblr blogging and reading 100,000 screenplays when I was an assistant at Paramount Pictures, I really uh, realized that, like, oh, I should be writing. I love world building. I love creating. I love dialogue. I love jokes. This is where I should be uh, writing comedy. But I think, you know, the, the first question everybody asks or wants to know when you tell them you're a Hollywood screenwriter and they're uh, looking to break in is, is how you did it. How did you break in? How did you get your first agent? How did you get your manager? What What's that like? What's that step like? And so I figure, you know, uh, for this first episode, I can tell you guys my journey, and then every episode hereafter, we can talk to other writers and friends, like I've said, about their journeys and, and their trials, tribulations, and success stories. So for me, uh, I guess you could say this really all starts for me at Paramount Pictures. I was working there as an assistant from 2009 to 2011 for the senior vice president of production. I was living my version of the Devil Wears Prada, where it was basically get me the new Harry Potter book before the Harry Potter book has been written or else. Um, and while I was there, I read so many screenplays. I must have been reading 10 to 12 screenplays a week. Uh, a, because I had to for my job to do coverage for my boss, but also because we were getting incredibly exciting scripts in. You know, one weekend the social network script would show up. Uh, one weekend the men who paint houses, which became The Irishman by Martin Scorsese, would show up. And so you were kind of always sort of uh, playing catch up and trading emails and scripts and screeners with other assistants there. And well, I was reading so many scripts, I sort of just, I fell in love with it. And I saw that each of these scripts had an individual voice and an individual POV and an individual way in. 
and I felt that I could contribute something. And so I believe it was in the winter of 2011, I was approached by the president of production, the president of the motion picture group, and my boss and the president of marketing. They pulled me into a screening room uh, on the very last day of Christmas break, and they asked if I wanted to be a creative executive. And for those of you who don't know, that's the first rung uh, on the ladder uh, after assistant. You're an assistant, and then you become a creative executive, and then hopefully you become a director of development, and then a vice president, a senior vice president, an executive vice president, a president, and then maybe president of the whole, endi- the whole entire studio. And I don't know what came over me, but when they asked, hey, Matt, we want to make you a creative executive, what do you say? I said, guys, that sounds amazing, but if you had a magic wand one day, I'll be writing for Conan O'Brien. If I'm not Conan O'Brien myself, himself. And instead of saying, fuck you, what? You don't want this life. They said, great, let's go set you up to meet a bunch of showrunners and the people that really help these, the guys you like. Let's introduce, let's go get you to meet Gavin Pallone, who's uh, Conan O'Brien's manager and executive producer. Let's go get you to meet George Lopez's executive producer. And uh, while I was on these interviews, I interviewed to be the showrunner's assistant to Mike Kelly. Uh, who had created Swingtown for CBS, and he had just created this new ABC drama procedural called Revenge. And after a couple interviews, I ended up uh, as his assistant. And frankly, you know, if I'm being candid here, I was so excited to leave Paramount because it was an incredibly stressful job, and I would have done anything else. Uh, you know, I would have gone to work at a car wash, but I knew that I needed to stay on my professional track. And while I was at Revenge. Uh, I was living with two other guys in Hancock Park in like a duplex, if you will. And one night I was watching Moneyball after work and my roommate was packing his car to go to the wedding of my high school sweetheart who hadn't invited me because, you know, we had split up long ago and there was really no need for me to be at her wedding. But in Moneyball, there's this line, uh, how can you not be romantic about baseball? And I started thinking, how can you not be romantic about your high school sweetheart? And so without an outline, without any sort of structure or former training, formal training other than what I had read in the scripts of Paramount Pictures, I just fucking started writing. And I think because I had every single joke saved up, every single bit saved up from my entire 27 years of living on this earth, um, I had a lot to say, especially when it came to unrequited love and my high school girlfriend. And so I wrote this script called Ex-Boyfriend of the Bride. It took me two weeks. I listened to Adele's 21 on repeat over and over and over, specifically the song Someone Like You. And when I was finished, I told all the the writers of Revenge, I just finished my first movie screenplay. And I'll never forget it. One of them said, now go put it in a drawer. And I didn't put it in a drawer because I'm a hustler. And I know that you can write the greatest script of all time. But if you don't know how to put the puzzle pieces together to get it where it needs to go you're going to be writing into a fucking vacuum. And that's not good for anyone. And so what I did was uh, I knew that one of the executives down the hall at Paramount Pictures, her husband was a manager, and I asked him if he would read my script, and he did, and he was very interested in signing me. And then I also knew this boy named Evan Silverberg from growing up in Encino, and he worked at a management company, and I asked him to read the script. And before I knew it, I had two managers who wanted to sign me. And although Evan joined my team, and I actually ended up signing with this other guy named Josh, um, I got signed. And 
you know, I had real Hollywood managers and now I was a showrunner's assistant on Revenge and I was on my way. And so in order to really get your script out there, unless you have some huge powerhouse manager, you really need an agent to help you cover the town. And so we just approached getting an agent like I was trying to get into college. Uh, CAA would be my reach school. And then UTA, ICM, Gersh, Paradigm, those would just be the regular schools that I got into. And then maybe APA is a backup. No shade. But let's be real. So uh, we sent my scripts over town. And uh, at UTA, there was an agent there named John Huddle, who I knew from my days as a Paramount assistant. And I sent him my script with a little note. Um, and I said, hey, John, you may not remember me, but if you do, I'm the guy that burns you mix CDs every year for Christmas. Uh, I wrote this script. I would love it if you would read it. Sent it to him on a Friday. Uh, within 24 hours, he sent me back an email that everybody, you know, waits for their whole life, that life-changing email. And I, it said, and I'm paraphrasing, who knew what talent was sitting there burning me CDs? I love this script. I read it twice. Please deliver yourself to my office on Monday morning because I would like to sign you. I fell to my knees. I felt like I had won the lottery. Oh, my God. I have a real Hollywood agent at UTA. I've done it. I've done the thing that everybody wants to do. So I go to UTA. I sign with John Huddle. Now I have John Huddle and this manager, Josh. My team's starting to form. And my team, I mean, you know, you usually have an agent, a manager, a TV agent, a feature agent, a lawyer sometimes, a publicist, depending on how big you are. But my team was starting to take shape. And I saw this as a really good sign. My agent and my manager work together to blanket the town to give my script to various producers who have different territories, meaning some of them have different first look and overall deals at the studios. And we sent the script out over the next weekend. And as much as it got a bunch of incredible reads, including John Hamburg from I Love You Man saying, I want to produce this, nobody bought it. I was bummed out to say the least. I thought I was going to be a millionaire overnight and all of a sudden I was going to be just like a killer Hollywood screenwriter. And, and this was back when there was such a thing as a spec market where every weekend agents were sending out scripts to be purchased by the studios. That doesn't really happen anymore. And that's a, that's a, that's a topic for another podcast. But I ended up working with John Hamburg of I Love You Man and along came Polly uh, fame. I did a wonderful draft with him. Uh, and then we thought New Regency was going to buy my script because New Regency said, if you have John Hamburg and you guys do a draft together, I think that'll be enough to get it done at our shop. Lo and behold, I do a draft. It's killer. We turn it into New Regency and they pass because they're focused on doing huge movies like Noah starring Russell Crowe about Noah in the Ark. We all know how that turned out. So guess you guys should have made my movie question mark. The long and short of it is, is that was the beginning of my Hollywood career and ex-boyfriend of the Bide became my calling card. And after uh, everyone around town read it, I went on what's called uh, the water bottle tour, which is when you go around town and have what is known as general meetings, where you generally talk with executives about what they're working on, their open writing assignments, what you're working on, and maybe you guys can find something to collaborate on. And uh, and so that was sort of the beginning of my journey was being a feature writer. And, I, you know, I wrote a couple other movies and they didn't get set up. Um, but the long and short of it is, is I ended up getting my first staffing job on NBC's Undateable. Uh, it's a Bill Lawrence show. It was on for three seasons. The third season went live. 
Um, but thanks to my script, Ex-Boyfriend and the Bride, some of the actors on that show, Brent Morin, Chris D'Elia, Rick Glassman, they really vouched for me, loved my script. They told Bill Lawrence and Jeff Ingold they got to meet me. They got to hire me. And I, that was my first TV staffing job. And I was so happy. It was one of the best jobs I ever had. I got the job right before my 30th birthday. And I sort of, I set a goal for myself saying, if you don't get staffed on a TV show by the time you're 30 or sell your first script, you might want to think about going back to the studio system, which is a lot easier said than done. Um, but I was in, you know, I had agents, I had a manager, um, you know, getting undateable. I had uh, an attorney and I have an attorney and I love my attorney. Um, he actually raised his hand and said, hey, I want to be your attorney. But from then on, you know, I've been writing. I've written on a Netflix show called Club de Cuervos, which is one of the biggest shows in Latin America. It is a comedy about a, a brother and sister that inherit a soccer franchise after their father croaks. I've developed shows for Lord and Miller at Fox. I've developed shows with Bill Lawrence at NBC. And I am the co-creator and co-showrunner of Fairfax on Amazon Prime. It's an adult animated comedy that sort of skewers the hype beast culture through the lens of uh, four middle school kids trying to survive junior high. It's super fun. It's super funny. Uh, you should go and check it out. But uh, that's my story. And now I'm doing what every writer does, which is, you know, working on my slate. I've got about 10 or so projects in various stages of development, some that I'm writing and co-creating with my Fairfax guys, some that I'm doing solo dolo, some that I'm trying to produce um, with the Fairfax guys and others that I'm trying to chase rights on. But the low and short of it is, is you just got to keep going. You cannot give up. And as hard as this is, and as difficult as it is, and as much as it feels like you are just a dog chasing your own tail, you can't give up because if you really want to do this, if you really are a tortured soul, you just got to keep going. It's like Churchill says, if you're going through hell, keep going. And I find that when you're going through hell, it is a lot more bearable if you have people to laugh about it with. And so I have reached out to my friends and colleagues to start this podcast to sort of inspire, but also keep it real about what it is like being a working Hollywood screenwriter in 2023. So without further ado, please settle back. Enjoy. This is Write Who You Know. And the first episode coming up is with our co-showrunner on Fairfax, it's Peter Knight. He's an epic, excellent dude, a great friend, and a great writer. Come back here every week for interviews with Hollywood screenwriters on Write Who You Know. This is Matt Hausfetter. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> 